that sound I was explaining to Sarah is the <clears throat> doors on the bridge of the Star Trek Enterprise opening, Starship Enterprise. My dad's really into it, so I... Star I, Trek, is my mic work? Yes, it is. Okay. I so I have Charles's mic, but you have the one that says Sam. Sounds good. Anyway, we're good. So I'm here with a special guest today because Charles is away. How dare he <laughs> leave me alone for a week? No, it's actually been really a really great week because he's gone, because he pesters me, and he makes my life more difficult usually. So it hasn't. Uh, that's that's good. Um, but I'm here with my good friend Sarah, who Hello. is um, 19, 20. Yes. 19. 19. 19. And um, was, uh, is a member of our youth group and our unified team and um, heavily involved here at the parish. And um, maybe before we start, you could just briefly tell us what you're planning to do. The people on Thursday Night Appetizer are going to be the first to hear this. Uh, tell, us what, tell us where you're going and what you're doing. I, so I'm going to be a missionary. Uh, with, yeah. With? With. Uh, an organization an organization called Consolatio and I'm going to Costa Rica for 14 months to live in a poor community and to share the gospel and be yeah a... to love on the people of Costa Rica oh yeah the city's called I actually don't you don't know, know city which city right okay now. I know it's not going to be a big city I'm not going to be in any of the tourist areas I've had some people be like oh I've been to Costa Rica before are you going to this place and yeah. I'm like I'm probably not going to go anywhere that you might know yeah well I, I mean been there as a tourist. it's probably no surprise like when people when you go to a resort or something you're in a very westernized sort of area yes. <laughs> and uh, they they go to great lengths to make sure like the the poor actually don't interact with the people there, yes. right? So, but you're going to the actual city, not the not sort of the, the coastal regions where everybody yeah. is rich and um, the they people working there are all very well off, behaved yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah, make a lot of money off of the tourists. Yeah. So, well, that's really cool. And um, spoiler alert: in the future, you might hear about fundraising. Yes. Uh, that uh, Sarah is going to be. Hopefully, we're going to be hopefully partnering with her. Um, pending approval which, and all that. Yes, which I yeah. very much am grateful for. Yeah. So, but we're we're really excited that someone from our community is going to be going to um, another part of the world to share the gospel. And uh, what I loved about Consolatio, which is the name of this organization, is it's their subtitle is a ministry of presence. I just love that because I think that to me that really um, it strikes a nerve because um, I think that's what one of the shifts that uh, we're trying to make in the church right now is um, not to get too far off topic, but we're often talking about the mission at Holy Family, right? We're on mission as well as Sarah going on mission. Yes. So every, every Christian is called to be on mission as well. And you can actually partner with Sarah and help her go on mission. It's a way of you going on mission as well. Yeah. I like that. Um, but I was, I was just thinking that the ministry of presence thing struck a chord because we are trying to move in that direction where we, we recognize that people are, um, they are in need of the gospel and they are in need of changing their lives usually. Yes. We all, God's calling, God wants us to live our life according to his plan um, so we can be happy, so we can be fulfilled. But it's a process and we're trying to, we would just want to come alongside people and like accompany them, right? A lot That's of what this reminds this, me. Yeah, a lot of this mis uh, ministry is seeing the people around you, like some of them, uh, some of the women are into prostitution because that's just, that's how they make a living. Right, and the survive, men are right? in like gangs, those sorts of things. And 
you're not supposed to be a part of the culture, but you're supposed to be walking with them to show them that they're not alone in that isolation of darkness that they're in. And I think that's what our mission is as well. It's very, like, almost the same in some some sort of well, way. Well, yeah, I love that. Like, like um, you can't always solve everybody's problems. Like, you, especially in a poor country, like I've been, we were talking yep. earlier, I've been to Mexico, um, and we, it was the same thing. We didn't, we we didn't, we did, occasionally we ended up on the coast, but normally we were in the inner, like sort of the inner, con- inner country where the cities are very poor, Yeah. generally. Not like there's always a business di- district and yeah. stuff. But like, we were in the really poor areas. Um, like, you you go into somewhere like that and you can't immediately solve everybody's problems. And it's the same here in Canada. Like we have people in our community, like they have big issues they're facing, but a lot of times they just want to know that you're with them, right? I'm with you. God's with you. God has not abandoned you. In fact, I'm here representing him and I'm I'm here with you because God is with you, right? I think that's beautiful, right? And that's that's one of the reasons you were drawn to this, right? Oh yeah. I, when researching missionaries, I, don't know how to carpent. Like I, I can't build houses. I <laughs> I can't purify water. I I can't make food out of thin air. Although God mm. let me, I'm sure I would like to, but I just I don't feel that I can do that. But what I can do is be there for someone. I can listen to them talk. I if they wanted to talk to me about their entire life, I can sit there and I don't mind just listening to them. Mm. And a lot of the missionaries. Um, that I was looking at, that's what they did. They went into these poor countries and they gave them things. They didn't mm. give themselves a lot of the time. They, uh, they gave them physical, yeah. which I just, what, you know, it, some people do need that. Like some people do need housing and food and water, but a lot of the darkness you see is, especially in different cultures, is this intense loneliness. Mm. That's yeah. how they described it. You know, it reminds me of uh, St. Peter. I think it's St. Peter in the book of Acts was walking through a, through a town and there was a beggar there and the beggar was asking for money, obviously. That's why they beg. And he said, gold and silver I do not have, but what I do have I give you, mm. right? Um, that's what it reminds me of. Just like what you do have is yourself, your presence, the ministry of presence, right? So you may not have the means to draw people out of poverty entirely, but you do have the means to, like you said, sit. Like, I just love the thought. So picture this. Again, fundraising details pending. But I love the fact that we can partner with Sarah, you and I, the people watching this and the people in the parish can partner with Sarah and we can allow, we can pay for her uh, to be able to spend time, let's just imagine this, to spend time with someone poor in a third world country, right? It's amazing. I just, I just feel so good about that. And um, I'm really excited to uh, have a member of our parish in a country um, uh, around the world uh, sitting with poor people. Yeah. So not just poor people, but whoever wants to talk, whoever wants yeah, to listen, like, just being a presence there uh, for Christ in the name of Christ. And I love how it's, it seems to be like young adult driven. That's oh, really yeah. cool. Like, anyway, I just think it's fantastic. So I'm with you hundred um, percent. I want you to know that. And I think that it's great. Pretty exciting. And we're very proud of you that you're looking into this and discerning this and well, you've decided to go. So yeah, you're it's, done, I'm, it you're is done discerning. Now you're, now you're in the, um, you know, going, yes. <laughs> getting, getting their stage. So figuring things and out. And I think you, you spoke to us, you spoke at Unify in this uh, earlier, right? Yeah. This year? Was yes. it in January? Maybe. Well, we didn't have Unify in the fall, so it must've been January. Yeah. I think it right? was the 24th. Okay. So in January, January, you can go back and look at that if you want, but um, she spoke at Unify talking about just the uncertainty about it. 
And it seems like now you've got some certainty, so you must feel better. Oh, yeah. I, even when I was talking about how uncertain I was, I was in a place where I was certain. So I could look back and say, yeah, I was kind of very scared and that sort of but thing. But it was easy to see that you were a little, you went through some discouraging times oh, getting yeah. to this point, right? But you stuck with it. You really felt this was God calling you. Oh, yeah. Right? That's it's amazing. And so you're, you were faithful to wait, to pray, to discern, and God was faithful to say, now you can go. I also right? kind of feel like it was good to wait and have that patience. Yeah. Yeah. So people, if you like what we're talking about, and I hope you do, because you're like, like us, um, look for those details because she's going to need our help. She's got to raise quite a bit of money. She's going for 14 months. Yes. And um, there's co obviously it costs something to live yes. for 14 months. So she needs to raise a pile of money. So, um, but we can help her. We have the means here in Canada um, to see, to make this happen. So, um, and in our parish, and I know our listeners are generous people. So, yeah. again, we we can't give you any information right now because we're pending approvals and all that stuff. But I'm confident that that's going to be happening. So, um, anyway, Thursday night appetizer. Everybody, look, we just spent ten minutes talking about that. So <laughs> that's good. Thursday night appetizer today. Um, with with uh, Sam and Sarah, that has a nice ring to it. <laughs> Charles, you're fired. No, <laughs> I, I don't want nothing. No, no, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> Who knows? It might bomb. I'm sure. So um, we got a really long reading today um, for this Sunday. Charles, for the background, or Charles chose Genesis chapter two, um, which is the um, narrative part of the the Garden of Eden narrative, um, and it's the first Sunday of Lent. So um, where this, this is the story of basically of how, um, the serpent, uh, tricked, tricked Eve into, uh, doubting God's trust, doubting that he had their best interests in mind, telling them that basically he was keep, he was holding back from them yeah. and they could do better. Yes. We know now <laughs> that was all a, a lie, of course. Um, but we fall for that lie over and over again too in our lives. So, um, I'm just going to read the backgrounder because, um, this will be the first time I'm kind of reading it. So. Um, this is Charles Backgrounder, holyfamily.ca slash category slash backgrounder if you want to find it. And um, the distorted image, it's called. And that's actually the picture behind us is the distorted image. I don't know if you can see it, but right there, there's some little people. They're being cast out of the garden. I imagine the garden's over there in that bright light part. And this is like the scary area, I, right? I was like trying to look back at yeah, it. Yeah, you can. Now, it looks When you look back, it looks like you're looking at it like, you know. So, um, yeah, maybe that's the tree right there. And then over there is the, it's like a weatherman, you know, yeah. weather person. Weather Sorry. person. Oh, <laughs> sexist. Thank you for that. I appreciate it. <laughs> uh, okay. So this week we go back to the beginning, the literal beginning of the Bible. The first few chapters of the book of Genesis tell us so much of who we are today. I was just saying that. Um, we struggle with the same stuff. Why do we see both good and evil? We see the image of God in the goodness of each person. We live because God has breathed his spirit into us. There is so much natural beauty in everyone and everything. Even the most doubting of atheists can admire the stars and the darkness of the night sky and the fragile elegance of the wildflowers that just grow in the fields. Imagine the most, even the most hardened of cynics can be, lovingly behold the innocence of a baby or feel compassion when someone is in pain, Right? Uh, I think what he's saying here is that like we can all see goodness, recognize goodness around us, even if we're not like a Christian or even even a theist, someone who believes in a God. Mm -hmm. 
Um, we all we still see beauty. We still see goodness. Yeah. Right. Um, I thought it was interesting. That it said breathe the spirit into us because that's what our youth retreat was about on the weekend that you weren't at. Obviously. Anyway, it was about the breath of God, oh. the Holy Spirit. Um, uh, but we don't live in a paradise. It's obvious. Another thing that's obvious to us all, Christians and non-Christians, theists and non-theists alike, is that sin, evil, pain, and death have spoiled everything, right? Um, someone once, fam- I'm just an aside, someone famously, there was a famous quote, something like, um, um, and it was an atheist who said this, like, I don't believe in God, but the devil, his his hallmarks are everywhere his fingerprints oh, yeah. are everywhere right so he doesn't believe in god he believes in there's the devil there's for something sure. bad going right? on there's yeah. definitely evil i don't know about good but pure goodness but evil yeah that's yeah. that you can see right um so it's obvious why how can anyone account for this obvious distortion the distorted image of the way it should have been how can we keep from despair in the face of intolerable burdens we carry or which we see crushing others we were just talking about that Adam and Eve, our ancestors, turned away from God. They did not accept God's admonition that they could eat every tree but one. Tempted by the evil one, the serpent, they sought to become like God to acquire his power. They wanted to define good and evil for themselves instead of following God's ways. Seeing themselves, they now felt shame for the first time, unable to look at each other with respect. And our inheritance, everything of who we are, comes from them and from their fateful decision to turn against God. That's actually a really good summary of the fall. Good job, Charles. I know he's going to watch this because he's bored. Um, but but <laughs> Man. That isn't the last word about us. As we journey through the Bible, we, are reassured, we can be reassured to know that despite this distortion, there is a true image of God in us, right, buried under all of our sin. Um, who we truly are is not defined by our human sinfulness and limitations. God made us good because we are truly made for him and we live because his breath sustains us. There's that breath again. An honest look at humanity doesn't paint a pretty picture, but we can trust our creator who made us, who loves us still, and who has a plan to restore the divine image in everyone. Right. Okay. So we're talking about the fall. It's going to be good. So what we usually do, Sarah, is um, we, I will, I'll say a prayer and then you can read the passage twice. We usually pause for about a minute or so. And um, we're just, uh, you're familiar with Lectio Divina, where we yep. read the gospel, we read the, the, the scripture, and then we look for words or phrases that stand out. And then we just talk about what stood out to us, basically. Okay? Uh, am I going to get a pencil? Because it would be better for me to physically Oh, sure, yeah. Write well, you know out. what we have to do if I leave, uh, right? <laughs> a pencil. How's a red pen sound? Oh, sure. Is that okay? Oh, yeah. Very much a visual. If I, I'll like think this. it in my head and then I'll totally forget it as soon as I, you start talking. I'll be like, oh, I totally agree with you, but then I won't even oh, wait, remember what a pencil. I was talking about. And a clipboard. Look at that. Oh, man. Okay. All right. <laughs> Captain on the bridge. That was for you, Mark. Okay. In the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. God, we praise and thank you for this day. We're so grateful, Lord, for all of the beauty around us, for all of the the many ways that we can see your goodness in the world and in the people around us, um, in nature, in art, in uh, there's, there's just so much beauty that speaks to your presence in our lives. And I'm so grateful, Lord, to have Sarah here today. I pray that the two of us would um, be able to hear your Holy Spirit today, the breath of God breathed into us, that, that is our spirit, that is our life. And uh, we pray that we would be able to listen to these words as we read from the book of Genesis, Please inspire us and please inspire all those who are watching and listening 
In Jesus' name, amen. Take it away. The Lord God formed man out of the clay of the ground and blew into his nostrils the breath of life, and so man became a living being. Then the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east and placed there the man whom he had formed. Out of the ground the Lord God made the various trees grow that were delightful to look at and good for food, with the tree of life in the middle of the garden and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Now the serpent was the most cunning of all the animals, and the Lord God had the Lord God had made. The serpent asked the woman, Did God really tell you not to eat from any of the trees in the garden? The woman answered the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. It is only about the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden that God said, You shall not eat it or even touch it lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You certainly will not die. No, God knows well that the moment you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, who knows what is good and what is evil. The woman saw the tree was good for food, pleasing to the eyes and desirable for gaining wisdom. So she took some of its fruit and ate it. Then she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized that they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made loincloths for themselves. Do you mind reading it again? Okay. The Lord God formed man out of the clay of the ground and blew into his nostrils the breath of life, and so man became a living being. Then the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east and placed there the man whom he had formed. Out of the ground the Lord God made various trees grow that were delightful to look at and good for food with the tree of life in the middle of the garden and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Now the serpent was the most cunning of all the animals that the Lord God had made. The serpent asked the woman, Did God really tell you not to eat from any of the trees in the garden? And the woman answered the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. It is only about the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden that God said, You should not eat it or even touch it lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You certainly will not die. No, God knows well that the moment you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, who knows what is good and what is evil. The woman saw the tree was good for food, pleasing to the eyes and desirable for gaining wisdom. So she took of its fruit and ate it. And she also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized that they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made loincloths for themselves. Well, what do you think? Got something? Um, one of them just being like, they made it very firm. About, which, which line is it? Uh, it's the second paragraph, the first okay. line, it's the second paragraph. So can I read it? Oh, then yeah. Then the Lord God planted a garden in Eden. In the east. In the east, yes. and placed there the man whom he had formed. One of, it, the wording is so specific with that. Like, there's a place of Eden, and then there's a garden in it. Like, most people, when referring to it, they refer to it as, like, Eden being a garden. But this, I don't know, this to me just was oh, like... So like, Eden was a place, but was he a place, a garden But in. God put a garden into yeah. it. That's right. I, not the way I thought of it. Yeah. yeah. So I was like... And they, and they really, like, in the east, like, there's a north, west, south, and east. And in the east of Eden, there's a garden. Mm -hmm. It's very, um, 
geographical. Geographical, yeah. <laughs> like, to me. Like, he's, like they're talking about a real place. Like they're talking about a place. Yeah. It's not like some sort of plane of being, but it's an actual physical place. Mm -hmm. Like and that. in the east of what? Of what? Well, like if we live on a globe, then... Yeah, there would be north and south. And north I know, but like east is all relative. It's true. Right? Like everything that's east is also west. <laughs> you know, that's correct. Yeah. You know, everything that's north is also south, depending uh -huh. how far you go. I was just like... Might be closer if you go east. But I, yeah. Maybe that's Start, what they meant. From the starting point. East of from where you are. Which I suppose Moses, I think, wrote wrote this down at yeah. least. But who He's knows like, where this? Here I am. It was like a, an oral tradition that he wrote down at one point. That's how we have it in writing. And still, in the East was a yeah. like a firm part of that. Yeah, it's very specific. You're right. I was like, um, mine. So mine is from that same paragraph. Out of the ground, the Lord made various trees grow that were delightful to look at and good for food. With the tree of life in the middle of the garden, it was the middle of the garden that stood out to me and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So two things. First of all, I always confuse the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil, but here there are two distinct trees, two yeah. separate trees, okay? And it seems like they're both in the middle of the garden. And the reason I was thinking about that was we just, today's Ash Wednesday. Well, yeah, we're recording this on Ash Wednesday um, for you tomorrow, Thursday. Um, I was thinking how there are two things at the center of my life, really at the center of everything, and it's like these two trees. Yeah. One is like God and the goodness and the life that he offers. Yeah. Like I'm a, I'm a Christian. I'm a believer. Um, I believe that all, all of my life, everything good in my life came from God, right? He's my father. He loves me, cares about me. And then the other thing at the center of my life is my sinfulness. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so that pulls you away from God, right, away from right. that tree. Yeah. Almost like those are the two, like, um, you know, if we're like, you know, speaking about the planet, for instance. Yeah. Those are the two things at the center of my solar system. Yeah. And like everything else is kind of not as important as those two things. They're you know what I mean? Blind by it. Yeah. I don't even so like, I was just thinking how it's, it's interesting that like in the middle, that's where he put the tree of life. Presumably they were able to eat from the tree of life. There was only one tree they couldn't eat from and it was the tree of knowledge, right? Yeah. Um, so maybe they were like, Maybe they ate from the tree of life regularly. Maybe. And you see the tree of life come back at the end of the Bible in the book of Revelation. In fact, in the second last chapter, 20, chapter 21, the tree of life is mentioned. Really? Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, the tree of life comes back. It comes back. <laughs> or it's, it, no, it was <laughs> it, always there. It was. It but was. It's, it's, like, it's basically like the tree of life is there and, um, and people will eat from its, eat from its fruit. Right? Oh. So like we've okay. almost like... The elect in the book of Revelation, the people that are part of the new heavens and the new earth. Oh, okay. Um, their, their names are written in the book of life and they eat from the tree of life. So oh. this is like return to, to return to Eden kind of. Um, I thought that's cool. But I was just thinking about that. that like in, the, in my own life, um, the two things that preoccupy me the most, even though I'm doing all kinds of other things and I'm, you yeah. know, I'm a farmer part time. I'm a youth and evangelization person full time. I'm a father, I'm Full a musician, <laughs> right? All these things. Um, those two things are like the nucleus of my yeah. existence, right? Both this call from God and also I'm very always just very aware, especially in Lent, of the ways I'm I'm weak, my sinfulness. Yeah. Is that like the, the is that the center as well? Yeah. Right? What do you think about that? 
Uh, Can you relate to that? Oh, yeah, like, totally. Those are, the, those are the things pulling you all the time? Oh, yeah. One or the other? Like, the tree of life would be everything that is good that brings me towards God. Mm -hmm. And then the tree of the knowledge of good and evil right. would be like, oh, it's a tree, but it's also like a wall that blocks God. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and how often are you like, I should eat from the tree of life, but that tree of knowledge of good and evil is looking pretty darn good over there, right? It's actually pretty funny. I read a fiction book, yeah. okay, a Christian fiction book, and in mm -hmm. it, um, the main character visits the entrance to the garden that is blocked by the angel with the flaming sword. Oh, okay. And um, in this book, there's a demon who is trying to get to the knowledge to the the tree of life because he thinks that if he eats of its fruit he will have eternal life with god again mm -hmm. and I, like a, it's like a loophole like a loophole that's right it's pretty funny uh like, yeah i'm a demon like but I'm a, if i like, eat that i have that fruit, you know maybe i can be but, but this trick is, god into letting me back in it's the same way with sin sometimes we think that like if we go through loopholes then maybe we can still be in communion with god yeah I do that a lot too. I'm like, oh yeah, you know, it's fine. I still love God. It'll be fine. It's like, uh, probably everything that blocks you. Yeah. As soon as you eat that fruit. Well, like it's a, kind of that ruined. just made me think of this next part, which is the what the serpent says to, to Eve, right? Like um, there's just so much about this. In hindsight, we can see like um, really sin, like whenever we sin, we're, we're accepting a lie. We're we're telling ourselves a lie that we're like pretending to believe, but really we know. Oh yeah. Right. Um, in fact, you can't really sin by accident. You can only sin if you know that it's a lie. Right. Yeah. That's but, like that's just how, you how sin, he duped yeah. the woman is so like, um, basically like calling into question, did God really tell you this? Oh yeah. First of all, she says, yes, God did tell us this. Right. Did God really tell you not to eat? Really tell really? you not to eat from the tree. Right. <laughs> and he's like, come on. Yeah. Come on, you know. You know, like, basically, <laughs> like when you say, "Did you really? Did did someone really say that?" You're 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 implying doubt. Like you're saying, "Oh yeah, I'm not really. I I don't think you're. I don't, I don't think, think you're you really 100%. did. Right? You're ca casting doubt. So doubt doubt's the first line first line in there, and then um, she explains it. Right? Yeah. She sort of entertains the the serpent here, yeah. which is another thing we do. Right? We get we get tempted. And then we sort of start to rationalize it and talk about it, yeah. right? When really we should just run in the other direction. <laughs> yes. But we go, yeah, I mean, uh, I'm, yeah. I mean, I'm not supposed to, to do that, but, you know, and you start to think about it, talk about it. And then, uh, then, the, then, then the lie actually comes yeah. up, right? You certainly will not die because he sees her doubt. He oh, sees yeah. her go, he knows. oh, I've got an in here. You certainly won't die. No, God knows well the moment you eat it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God's to know what is good and evil, right? And this is, in this part, he's saying, God is withholding something from you. Oh, yeah. And you know what? I got to be honest. <clears throat> the part about this story that bothers me the most, sin and death bother me a lot, of course. Losing salvation, uh, yeah. being kicked out of the garden, needing a savior, all that stuff, um, you know, that, that all bothers me too. But this, the part that bothers me most by far is that he cast doubt as to whether God really had her best interests in mind. Yeah. And told her that he was holding back. Yeah. And the stupid thing about that is, the part that really bothers me is, <clears throat> um, the catechism in chapter one, I don't have it with me, but says something like, in a plan of sheer goodness, God created man. Basically, only because of us 
So God basically shared everything about him with us. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right? Like, and it's, it's a lie. The lie that we're told is there's something else. Like that we basically, like he's holding himself. He's holding back. You're missing God, out. Maybe we can tell our viewers. God is not holding back anything from you. He has shared his entire divinity with you. You listening. And he said, I give all this to you. That's the only reason you're here. Right? God doesn't need us. We're not like little robots that he gets to do, our, do his stuff for him. Yeah. Where he, he just, he created us out of goodness, out of love, only love, right? And, and gave us himself, his very divinity he shares with us. And so to say that like, oh no, he's holding back, totally false. He is not holding anything back. No. We're holding back because we believe the lie that we can find a better deal somewhere else. Or like, I don't know, like figure it out on our own. Like what, what he's saying, right? Oh, you know, you'll, you'll be, all you really need is, is knowledge, right? The knowledge that then you'll be like a God. They were already like gods. It drives me nuts. Like if they could physically talk to God, Which they, they could. like if they could look at him. They they were full good. Yeah. There was nothing about them. No. That like even some like the angels. Some of the angels have a hard time looking at God. That's why there's like not because they're not of God, but because hmm. like there's some people. Oh, sorry, some angels that just have to sing when they're in the presence of God. And if you think about like us or Adam and Eve, they, they didn't break down into like kneeling before God, which I feel like I would do if they, I saw you're God. You're right, they walked just, with him. Doesn't it say in the Bible that they walked with him in the garden? Yeah, they, right? they, they, God was physically like there with them. Yeah. And, and they could look at him and they were, they were friends with him. It was like, it was like a, they were chummy with God yeah. and they could physically see him. So they, they, they literally could not be sinners at yeah. that point. Well, they, they were like almost like equals with God. Oh yeah. Like, and the thing is we're, we're not like, we're not equals with God, but he chooses to share all of his divinity and all of his life with us. So in some ways we are like, we are like gods, like just no, but just hear me out <laughs> by being, we're created in his image and likeness. We are like God. God. We are. We physically. That's that's yeah. absolutely true, but the devil, the the enemy, and um, the three ways that we're tempted: the world, the flesh, and the devil. Yep. Right. Our desires, temptations in the world, and the devil himself. We're still roaming the world, seeking our ruin. The ruin of. They souls. tell us that there's something missing. Basically, that we can do better. That we can. He makes us doubt our yeah, own. Our 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 own identity. Yeah. It's really about identity. Um, you know, oh, you're not, you're not like a God yet, but you could be if you wait for, if you, if you do what I tell you, yeah. it's like, we don't accept yeah. that God made us in such a perfect right. way. He's holding back, but you can overcome that by eating from this tree. Yeah. And then, I mean, look at the fallout immediately. I, another, the other line that stood out to me was this last one down here. Then the eyes of both of them were open and they realized that they were naked. It's like, like they were naked before that. What changed was their eyes were open. What does that mean? It's like, um, it reminds me of that saying, ignorance is bliss. Yeah. Right. I would agree with that. Like they just, it didn't even occur to them that yeah. to, in order to feel shameful about that. Right. But because of this new knowledge. What, yeah. They what just, they, what the knowledge gave them actually was shame. Yeah. It made them feel ashamed because nothing else changed. They were naked before that and they were naked after that. It's like as soon as they ate, they understood themselves. Yeah. Maybe their eyes were open in the way that they understood that well, they, they went again. They, well, they, 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 they understood, understood their own lust basically. Yeah. Like, like when Adam saw Eve, he was ashamed because why are you ashamed if you, if 
you know, you think of like, you know, when you're, when you're little, if only we were always like this, when you're little, if you see like something you shouldn't, like, I don't know, like a scantily clad person, let's yeah. say, the first, your first reaction is shame. It's like you hide your face. Little kids yeah. will hide their face. They don't want to Or if they that. see something scary, you know, they'll hide their face. It's yeah. like, um, but, but with, with shame, like in this context, it's like, it's because they immediately recognized that they were lust, they were full of lust, mm. right? And before that, they weren't. They just, before that, they saw each other and they were, it was like pure love. Yeah. There was nothing that corrupted it. But the knowledge made them, made them go, oh, I, I like something else about this person in the wrong way. Yeah. Right. And then the, it was shame that made them cover themselves. And the other thing is, um, like, this, this is a funny part about that end there. And I, I think this is from like Theology of the Body. Do you remember us doing that series in youth group? Some of it. Okay. Yes, yes. Well, one of the things about that, about, this, the, about the fig leaves, is they hid themselves with the fig leaves, not the other person. Now think about that. Mm-hmm. Um, if the shame was about, if, if Eve's shame was about Adam, and Adam's shame was about Eve, they would cover, they would cover the other person. Yeah. Be like, oh, you should cover up. Right to protect you, but no, it's like they covered themselves because Eve knew that Adam was looking at her with lust, and and vice versa. Yeah, and that's, and I mean that's just one of the outcomes, but like we see that in all kinds of different ways oh, in our life, right? Yeah, like just whenever we give into a temptation, there's like this, um, all of these things like shame, this covering up, hiding, right? Yeah, all that takes place. Um, you can see why this is like such a good. I mean, well, this is why this is in the scripture and why this is the story of our fall. Um, because we are all living this out over and over again in our lives, you know, as we like rotate around the solar system of sin, you know. I, I actually love talking about how um, a lot of people, they look at Adam and Eve, at least some people when talking about this story, mm-hmm. they always look at, oh, that's so dumb. Why would they do that? But <laughs> like, hear me out. Why wouldn't they do that? It's, it, we do it every time we sin. Yeah. Right. Every time that we do something against God, we are just like Adam and Eve. And, and it takes like a pride of some sort to say, oh, well, if I was in that position, I, it would be entirely different. But it, it wouldn't at all. If we were in, Adam, well, technically we are Adam and Eve in some we're in sort their, of way. Um, we, if we were there in the garden, we would do the exact same thing as Adam and Eve. And I think it's, it's a prideful thing to say any differently because mm-hmm. they're technically they were the first so they would be everything good that god made mm-hmm. and we wouldn't have any sort of um taintedness that sin gave some of us so um in here he, he deacon charles ends in the background with a really hopeful message which is that um, as we journey through, journey through the bible we can be reassured to know that despite the distortion there's a true image of god in us oh yeah um yeah yeah like and and we mentioned the image of god like that we're we're in we are created in his image we look like god we are like god we are like gods which is what the serpent said he wants he doesn't want you to be like gods you are like gods already right um but he gives it like a hopeful thing that that um it's called the distorted image because it like sin distorts the image of god in us and makes us um Almost like, well, like I like this picture, you know, almost like fuzzy and like unclear and confused and not really know what's going on. Right. So, so like, how can, how can we get back? How can we restore the image? Like, how, how can we convince someone of that goodness that's in them? You know, like, like we just finished Unify, which was, you see the goodness in me. What can we do? It's so much easier to see 
the evil in the world that sometimes when you try to look at the oh, good, yeah. the good it's, it takes a lot of, well, in my personal case, a lot of praying to God about how instead of looking at someone and seeing their evil, that I can look and see that God is working in them. Because he works in all of us. And it only takes someone. So um, do you remember? I don't know if you were rolling with children at Unify, which we appreciate a lot. Um, um, when Kate was at the last Unify session, Kate was hosting. She was the MC, Kate Grine. And she, um, she came in with glasses on and she said, these are my Jesus glasses. When I look through these, I see people the way Jesus sees them. <laughs> and then she made some crack about how she has to look at me through those glasses or she gets angry or something. Oh. Like whatever, <laughs> whatever. Whatever, um, Kate. <laughs> but I was thinking about like, it's sort of like seeing people the way God sees them, right? Like he still sees, no matter what we've done or what's going on in our lives that distorts the image, like even the most hardened sinner, um, God still sees a child. He still sees that part of you that's beautiful, that's whole, and he wants to restore it, right? So you're saying that we can learn to see that way. I think it with takes prayer. Tell me about tell me about the prayer that you would pray. Um, uh, you like, do this like regularly, like you work at Walmart. Oh yeah. Right? And sometimes probably people are it's, less than kind. Yes. Okay, I can it, imagine. A lot of it, I think, comes from a prayer of patience and empathy. Those are the two I think. So those are virtues. Well, patience and empathy. Yeah, right? but yeah, you well, can always you always need more. Patience is a fruit of the spirit, as well as well as yeah. a virtue. You always need more, okay? Yeah. So when asking about it, you, I find you can never have too much patience. I'm, Do you think you're a patient person? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Maybe I feel like that's bad to say. Sometimes I can be very not patient, and sometimes sometimes I can you be can be impatient, but generally you patient. find patience fairly easy to come by. Yeah. Well, no. Well, like I know you've told me before, you like your work. Oh yeah. You like where you work and stuff, which is great. Like, um, but it's got to be challenging dealing with people all the time. I know like here in, in the, at the church, it's like different personalities, people are having a bad day. Oh yeah. I'm having a bad day, whatever. And sometimes it just doesn't, I don't see the goodness in them. I don't see the image of God in them. I only see the distortion. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like when yeah. at my work, it's, you kind of have to have patience with them because if not, um, you would be sinful. That's, that's how I view that. Um, but when talking to people, how I see them and how I pray for them in a way is I want the best for them. And I find that the best way to do that is to not tell them that they're doing something wrong. It's because most of the time they know that they're doing something wrong. Right. And maybe it's not like something that's yelling in their mind, this is wrong. But like people, they do have this, this whispering conscience to them that God that's telling them maybe that wasn't the kindest thing to say, or maybe this wasn't the nicest thing to do. And I, it's not my responsibility to tell them what's wrong because I do wrong things all the time. Right. And that's where that empathy comes in is that yeah. they might be saying or doing something that's super duper horrible to me. I haven't get hit yet, but I have had stuff thrown at me. So, you know, like they can do these horrible things to me, but I know that I, well, I don't know if I've ever thrown anyone at anything at anyone in anger. I've definitely You'd sinned. Probably be fired if you had. Yes, so. I probably would. Uh, but I, I sin not. myself, and I'm not. I'm not anywhere close to a perfect person, and I. I never will be, or at least I would. Not till heaven. Not till heaven. Then you'll be perfect. I would hope. <laughs> no, you. You can't get to heaven unless. You're no, perfect. I can't. That's right. Um, but 
I understand that like I'm a sinful and when I look at another person I can't just look at them as a sinful person or else it kind of makes me worse in a sense because I'm undermining God by saying this person isn't a person of God I don't see them as a good person I don't see them as any redeemable quality they're just super bad they you know and then you kind of can fall into this like they shouldn't talk to me or they shouldn't be anywhere near me or you kind of fall into them being less than you which is yeah. also a pride thing because you can't be empathetic towards them which I think they're opposites pride and empathy or is it pride and humility are opposites humility. I would think but Empathy, the opposite of empathy be probably a callousness or like yeah, just like not being able to sort of relate to, to the person and what they're struggling with. Oh, there's a word for it. Yeah. It's going to bug me if I don't know. Oh, well, is. that's fine. Um, yeah, like um, I, I think that's like a like basically like kind of a struggle every day, like especially when there is so much sin, objective sin around us to uh, kind of despair and think, oh, well, like just it's so hopeless, you know? Um, and the thing is it would be hopeless. Like Charles says, an honest look at humanity doesn't paint a pretty, pretty picture. Right. He's right about that. (laughs) But we can trust that God loves us still and has a a plan, which are going to be kind of, I think through Lent, we, in the readings on Sundays, we read through some of the parts of the plan, right? The plan that came to fruition at the cross on good Friday, right. And the resurrection, um, God had a plan in place, even, I think I read this in the catechism, even from the beginning, like even from the fall, when we first chose to, to disrupt our image, to distort our image, and from there all sin and death has, has come about, even there God had a plan to save us. Like he, in that instant he put in, put in motion a plan to, sit, to send Jesus and save us. So it would be hopeless, you know, and I think, I guess when I'm dealing with a difficult person <clears throat> in my life, oh, oh. it's like, um, you just recognize that like, you know, maybe the person's acting out of, out of shame or the conscience is bugging them or maybe they just don't know that how they're acting is, yeah. they're, they're acting sinfully. They, they just may, may not know that um, or realize how much it's hurting you or whatever. But just to understand that like actually God, uh, Jesus died for them too, right? And he still sees a child. And I should try to see them that way too. I'm like a this child. is a this is a redeemable person, almost like finding like, I don't know, some finding gold in the dirt. You know, like this this is something really valuable. And God wants me to see that valuable part. And not the dirt on the outside, right? Yeah. But like the true their true self, which is the image of God. You find God in that person, right? You want God to see you as a child who threw a temper tantrum, but just because they're acting bad doesn't mean the entire child like if a child's acting up you're not like oh you're automatically a bad child like you wouldn't expect that right so you would want to see other people that way not in like a oh you're having a tantrum but like you know like god sees them as that where they might not be in control of themselves in the way they think they are or in a way that is good for them in the long run but he still wants and looks for them as the entirety of themselves not just how they act out yeah and there's always another there's always a story there you know like that we don't know and that's what i like about the ministry of presence is uh when you're on your mission you're going to be taking the time to hear those stories oh yeah and learn about oh why you know this person yes this person might be let's say engaged in prostitution or Mm -hmm. in the sex trade or something or the drug trade or whatever you know but like what is it that 
that that person still there's a story there, right? Yeah. That that probably no one really cares about, or very few people, you know. And uh, you get to do that. Um, I was thinking about actually, I t I did a mission to England before the one in Mexico, oh. and it was just for the summer. But one of the things they made us do, and I and I think of how reckless this is for like the leaders. Oh, I think it was reckless, but anyway, <laughs> um, they they had us just walk the streets in like this this busy part of town, like had like a pub whole bunch of pubs on a street okay. and then all these like outdoor patios and stuff yeah. and they wanted us just to walk around in pairs me and another missionary this is when i was 18 i was young um and like basically ask bug people or not bug people ask people if they we could pray for them oh yeah but it was terrifying because these are like it was like like 11 o'clock at night people are going in and out of bars oh, and yeah. half of them are like drunk and completely out of it so yeah. some of them like swear at you like you know you weren't always like treated they, they positively yeah. <laughs> you know i just remember that but like and the i mean it's as limited it's limited because we didn't really have time to get to know anybody right it yeah. was just like this kind of one-off like um i guess the hope was that we might plant a seed and then the missionaries that live there might actually you yeah. know but um, I like the idea about spending extended time. I think that's great. And to really begin to see the goodness and that image of God in people um, and, and hear their story and get to know them. I think that's just so great, you know. Um, I'm pretty excited. Yeah. So more on that later. And um, usually we close with a prayer. Are you ready to do that, do you think? Um, yeah. To Sorry. To close. pray. Yeah. To, well, to close our, we'll, we'll close our time with prayer. So in the, name of the Father and the Son of the Holy, time, Holy Spirit, amen. God, I'm so thankful for this time we've had together. Um, we pray, Lord, that um, our discussion was helpful to those uh, watching and listening, and that uh, you'd be with Sarah and all of her preparations going forward for this uh, awesome uh, opportunity she's got to go overseas and do mission work and be a missionary in a community far away. And I pray that all of us would remember that we are on mission as well here in our, in our world, wherever we're, we're uh, stationed, wherever we live, whoever we're with, that we're called to be a light in the darkness, that we're called to speak to this precious image of God, this uh, diamond in the rough, as it were, in the people around us, that we are called to see through the sin of the world and see the goodness and offer, offer people a chance to recover that goodness um, in, a, in a relationship with you, a life-giving relationship with you. So we're grateful, Lord, for this time, and we ask you to be with us and all those listening and watching. In Jesus' name, amen. So, Sarah, I want to thank you for being here with me today and taking the time. You've been here for quite a while. Uh, so thanks for yeah. the time you gave to us and our little audience of like two people. No, I'm just kidding. It's two a little people. bigger than that. But um, yeah, thanks. Thanks for coming. And yeah. So you don't uh, have to work this afternoon. That's good. Uh, no, but I am making stew. It's making our one, stew? It's our one meal for today. For oh, right. Wednesday. I already had my one meal. So I'm breakfast tomorrow. So breakfast tomorrow is going to no, be good. You can have something small. Catholics are supposed to on Ash Wednesday and Good Friday and Fridays in Lent, really. Limit your calorie supposed, intake. Yeah, you're supposed to have like one big, one normal sized meal and two smaller meals, and no meat. Really? On Good on Ash Wednesday, yeah. That's news to me. All right, I'll have to figure. Well, that there you out. go. There, did I just ruin your stew? You I, did I actually. Oh, ruin my stew. Sam ruined stew. There you go. <laughs> That's okay. That's take away. I I have to get creative with it. So, yes, yeah, so thanks everybody for watching. And um, we are going to let you go now. So, uh, God bless you. And um, next week, maybe if Charles is 
Uh, if we feel like it, we're going to let Charles come back. That's if Sarah's not available. Then we'll let Charles come yeah. back. So, <laughs> All right. Bye, everybody. Have a good day. See you next week.